0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about the new Hamilton City Council already. Stuff happening, weird stuff, stuff that may be a little discouraging if you are hoping for some peace and non-divisiveness. And we're going to be chatting about whether or not you, if you had a few billion dollars and owned a baseball team, would you pay someone $500 million to play baseball? Somebody might. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Just hours, really, after the election was finalized and after we learned who our new city council was going to be. And remember, this was the election that was going to clear out City Hall, that was going to get rid of all the division and the rancor and the squabbling and all that kind of stuff. This was going to be a new, fresh, more tranquil city council that was going to get along and work for the people of Hamilton and make everything good again. Well, hmm. It didn't take long for me to start to wonder if that's really in any way the case. Within, well, less than 72 hours from that, one councillor who was elected, Cameron Croach, sends out a number of tweets talking about new city councillors and how good they're going to be. Tammy Wang, uh, she will be fine, he says after listing some of her credentials. Um, Jeff Beatty, he will be fine. Craig Kazar in Ward 12. He will be fine after listing some things. Alex Wilson in Ward 13. They'll be fine. Uh, now, maybe it's an oversight, but not listed there. Matt Francis in Ward 5. Mark Taddison in Ward 11. Mike Spatafora Ward 14. Ted McMeek in Ward 15. Sounds a little divisive. Pointing out who's going to be okay according to this counselor and who won't. That's That's not unified. <laughs> then, Another note comes out, kind of taking a shot, same counselor, taking a shot at Mayor Fred Eisenberger's rather boilerplate comments, thanking people for running in the election and the staff for handling the election, taking a few shots at that one because he didn't agree with some of the comments there. Again, I don't know that it was necessary, but okay, whatever. And then today we get a signed letter, an open letter from a number of the new counselors, newly elected, and one incumbent saying they're not talking to the spectator anymore cuz they were not a, in agreement they think a story that ran a police story written by two excellent journalists who have won awards who are who are respected in this community they believe that that story that didn't mention any candidate was somehow racist and therefore it affected Well, it it, it was racist, and therefore it was a bad thing, and the spectators should be apologizing. And until then, the undersigned are not going to participate in any kind of conversations with the Hamilton spectator. I want to bring in Bill Kelly. uh, Bill's been covering City Hall forever. He's worked at City Hall. He's been a counselor. Bill, I thought we were heading towards this new everyone's going to get along, and this is going to be tranquil and wonderful. This sounds like we're not even sworn in yet, and things are already getting rancorous.
1: Scott, if I had a buck for every time a new counselor, or a newly elected council has said it's going to be different, uh, I'd be a wealthy guy. I'd be living in your neighborhood. Uh, oh, wait, I am. Uh, anyway, but not because <laughs> of that. Here's the thing. It, it, the, the thing that frustrates me, and I, I don't know how specific you want to get into this particular thing, but the, the, the essence I got from the, the missives that I've seen from uh, the last couple of days here is that, okay, we're elected now. This is, you know, people that are, are agreeing with our agenda, they're cool. If you don't, then we've got a problem with you. Tell me how this is transparent and, and open, or how this is just, you know, meet the old boss, same as the, or meet the new boss, same as the old boss, the old, the old Peter Townsend and the who thing. Uh, be it, is if, you know, we're ticked off and somebody disagrees with us right now. And if you do, then, you know, you're okay. The ones that, you know, that I, I don't even know many of these people. I mean, I. I know Tammy Wang when she worked at the Innovation Factory. Of course, she was an outstanding uh, member there, and I, I think she'll be a good counselor. I think they're all kind of they have to eventually be good counselors. But as soon as you start grading them, uh, when you haven't been on the job for more than five minutes, I, I, I got to wonder what your attitude going into this.
0: Well, again, this to me the entire election seem to be, for a lot of people, the idea that we have to get rid, and I'll use the word again, we have to get rid of the rancor that has been on council. We have to find a way to unify. I don't know that we're seeing a lot of unifying here. And I can tell you, I can tell you for an absolute fact that there are a number of councillors who vehemently disagree with this letter to the editor or this open letter about the spectator and disagree with the position. So already, you've now got division that's brewing on council before they've even been sworn in.
1: Well, there's a couple of elements to that. And and I don't don't disagree. And I don't, I'm not surprised by the fact that there are some councillors saying, hey, come on. You know, just let's chill just a second here. Uh, and I understand where they're coming from on this. I disagree with their stance on this, uh, and I do agree with your assessment. I I know the two people that wrote this article, uh, and I, I I you know they're both award-winning journalists. I mean, you know they're respected in the community. They're respected nationally for their work. Uh, they don't cut corners. Uh, they don't do stupid things. If they did, they wouldn't be where they are now and and held in the high esteem that they are held in. So there's that. Okay. Uh, but even putting that aside for a second, I've reread since I saw this and the article I've reread the article at least five or six times in the last two hours. Uh, there is no reference at all to the color of anybody. What this is is a, a number of different references to the police investigation uh, that was you know predicated on, on the information they have ascertained so far, and the fact that they've laid charges, and here's why they've laid charges. Uh, you can agree to disagree, and, and they mentioned a number of times that this individual is alleged to have done this. Uh, certainly they're entitled to their their, their trial, and, and that will happen, and I don't know how that's going to work out. That's not even the issue right now. As, as important as that might be, and any time there's a, a charge laid, you want to see justice attained, that's great. But it's the attitude that they're taking. Uh, and and I'm worried about this. And uh, You and I have talked about this on your program earlier. But many, even before the election, uh, is, you know, is, is is this group that this past council that seemed to have an agenda simply being replaced with another handful of people now that have their own agenda?
0: Well, we're going to see. We're going to see. But I've got to tell you that, Bill, this is not imbuing me with a fantastic sense of confidence that it's not.
1: I mean, that's that's the thing that I find troubling at this stage, um, that that there are some of these people and. and that have been very active and very vocal, and that's great. We, we need, you know, just different points of view on, on key issues, and, and and some of the people that are involved in this, of course, I've had on the show many times, and I know you have too. I mean, here's the issues that need to be talked about, and I'm not going to throw a blanket over issues like racism and and, and civil disrest, and you know, when it comes to things like LGBTQ rights or anti-racism, we've we've thrown that out there for people, and we've talked to the principals involved, and and cameron croche was one of them on a number of occasions i've had him on the program about his concerns because i think they were legitimate and we had the chief of police at that time on uh... to have his explanation on this and you know we, we tried to encourage that debate that's good that's healthy uh, but now to say you know okay uh... we're upset about this and and we think this was a discussion uh... that that probably as i see this and i'm just trying to be as objective as i can here it looks to me as if what they're upset about here is that there's this article that was written Based on a police report, and they think it had an impact on the fact that a couple of the people they thought should have been elected didn't get elected, and I, I, I'm wondering if that's the catalyst for for, for the outrage here, and, and the cynic in me, and I, I I tend to be cynical about stuff like that. That's what we do. We try to look at both sides and understand what's you know what's the motivation for this. Uh, would this letter even be written if those two candidates had won?
0: Well, I I don't know. I also wonder. Okay, so if
1: like, why did they wait till the day after, the couple of days after the election to actually come forward? This was four days before the election.
0: If the, if the article had not been written, if police had laid charges, and this was a very, very high-profile local case. This was a very high-profile local case. It was a fatal home invasion. If the article had not been written, would the other side have not complained that, well, why are you not running this article, even though... You know, there was a loose connection between a candidate, I guess, through work and the person, although the the candidate was never mentioned uh, and and the only you could draw, if you really knew, I suppose you might be able to say, oh, maybe, but not a connection in any kind of criminal way or anything like that. Like it was, it was kept at a very far distance. So I, I just, uh, but, but it's not even that bill. It's just, it seems as though we haven't even reached swearing in time and already sides are being drawn. And that was, I thought, what this election was supposed to be getting rid of.
1: And I, I know they referenced in, in the letter, uh, you know, the timing of this sucked because uh, of what, the story that we saw about one, one of the candidates, the unsuccessful candidates uh, that had racist slurs uh, you know, spray-painted on, on some of his election signs. And that's disgusting and disgraceful. And and I think everybody agrees with that, except the idiots that did it, I'm, I'm sure. But we, we know that. Uh, but you know, that, is that conflating two issues here? You know, well, we don't want to it, it, – it, I don't know anybody, okay? I, I know you and, and a few other people at the spec. I don't know the management suspect the spec. I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea uh, because I don't have those personal connections. But So I don't know what their decision-making process is. But I'm thinking if they decided, well, here's the story. Uh, charges have been laid against an individual in a horrific death or, you know, in home invasion that resulted in death. But we're not going to run the story because we ran a story about racism before. People might construe it that way. Uh, I, I, I can't see them doing that. If, if you're a true journalist, and I know a lot of people in this town that are journalists, uh, and, and if you have any integrity in your, in your craft at all, if that's the story and it's factual-based, you run the story. Uh, and people are going to interpret it different ways, I'm sure, in situations like that. But do you hold back on that story because it might have an impact on the election? I don't think so, because the way the story was written, uh, if it was a candidate or, an, uh, you know, uh, that, that was involved in this and charged, sure, it's going to have an impact. But are, are they reading too much into this or, you know, are, are they trying to twist this to their own benefit? I don't know. There's a lot of questions mm. here that are very, very vague. Uh, and, and you know, the fact that so many people signed on to this, I, I, I'm I'm surprised by it in the one, well, not by some of the names, I guess, that come on here, Uh, but, you know, because, you know, there is an anti-police sentiment by a certain section of this community right now, and I'm wondering if that's a motivation for part of this this move right now and this this letter and, and, you know, the charges, the alleged charges that are being laid here about racism.
0: Yeah, I hope that, uh, you know, everyone can – the excitement of the election is over. Everyone can take a breath here. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. But again, if, if if we're going into a new council with stuff already brewing before we even get there and divisions already starting, because again, I know I know there are councillors. I can tell you for a fact there are councillors who vigorously disagree with this. If this is already starting, I, I'm – we're, we're, we're going to be right back where we started, despite saying this is what we were trying to get rid of. So can we'll, we'll can see. Bill I know
1: you want to wrap up, but I'll give you one more little tidbit here. And I, maybe it's a piece of advice to the to, to some of these newly elected representatives, whether they're counselors or trustees in the school board. OK, uh, if you want to, you know, abstain from talking to the media, let me give you something, because I've been on both sides of the fence. OK, I spent a number of years in politics uh, and a number of years in the media. If you want to say I'm not talking to the media, I'm going to give you a little truism here. Nobody cares, okay? You may feel pretty pompous about it and say, oh, I'm not going to talk to this or that radio. But they don't care. All right? Pierre Polyev has avoided the media. It's the story in the, 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 the Global Mail today for the last 45 days. The Globe and Mail still publishes. So does the Star. So does the National Post. They don't need you, okay? You carry on with your social media posts and do whatever you want. Uh, and don't talk to the media. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. You're an elected official, and you have a responsibility to do your job. Um, and, and and this idea about, you know, I'm not going to talk to this reporter or that reporter or that newspaper, go ahead and do it. It has no impact, zero impact on the media, and zero impact on the community, too.
0: Bill Kelly, my you can thing. hear him. I've, tor- been,
1: I've been in the business for a long, long time, and I walk both sides of the fence. I'm just telling you, it's a silly and, and childish uh, act, attitude to take in situations like that. Go ahead and not talk to the media. That, that's your call. Go ahead, but don't think that you're making a difference by doing that. And don't you think you can that hear the Bill Kelly to come back to you, whether it's a newspaper, or radio station, or whatever, and say, "Please forgive us. We're going to do something differently."
0: We got to run, Bill. Yeah, you, know, you can hear Bill Kelly tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. He'll be right here on 900 CHML. Thank you, Bill.
2: Thanks, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on
0: 900 CHML. All right, I want to bring in our good friend. He's just off the air at CHDH. our good friend Bubba O'Neill. Uh, sir, how are you today? I'm not uh, bad. Not on the air today. Well, was, uh, oh, okay. Well, see, I've been working, so I couldn't watch. I just assumed that you were doing your good work on the air. So, okay. All right. Well, you know, you know, let me throw this one at you, Bubba. You're working for a living because you're a working man like the rest of us. You know, you're you're doing the hard work to make your pay. We are now hearing an agent i think it's his agent but an agent say that aaron judge who is a free agent for the new york yankees with the new york yankees for now anyway Mm -hmm. may get a contract for 10 years 500 million Mm dollars would you sign aaron judge if you had a baseball team and a few billion dollars would you sign aaron judge for 500 million dollars
2: well, that's a tough question, Scott, because I think you need to look at where your actual team is, right? Like if I'm the Blue Jays, yeah, I'll start local. Sure. Because I think that's the kind of player that can put you over the top. Um, if you're the LA Dodgers and you fell short, you want a franchise record with 111 games uh, and you fail in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm doing that. If I'm the Kansas City Royals and I'm in the midst of a rebuild, I don't do that because then that's a waste of money. I mean, you're you're in a situation where you're trying to you know, rebuild your franchise and you, you, you never start off with a franchise player like that and build around because it can take too long. I would suggest to you that in today's sports, um, the numbers almost don't mean anything. Um, that's the going rate and you've got to give Aaron Judge credit um he was offered a substantial amount of money from the New York uh, New York Rangers the New York Yankees going into the season knowing that this was the final year of his contract they couldn't come to a deal and he did what you know we've heard this the saying before he bet on himself yep. and produced the you know one of not the greatest offensive season we've ever seen in the American League pretty good though one of yeah. One of, you know, it's in the discussion. And of course the greatest home run hitter in franchise history is now Aaron judge for the New York Yankees. But I think you have to look at this on a See, real honest. And this is why if I'm a member of the New York Yankees, if I'm the Yankees and teams like what we're hearing, the giants, where is, which would be home for him. He's uh, uh grown up in Northern California. And if, the LA Dodgers, who have endless amounts of money. Uh-huh. I'm going to let him go. Because is he ever going to hit 60 home runs again?
0: See, this no. is my this is my problem with the money. And I look, I agree he had an amazing season. I agree he's an amazing player. And I agree that he could put you over the top if you're a contending team. All of those things you said are absolute truth. But I would be willing to pay the guy for that then in baseball. And, and keeping in mind the money that we're talking about sounds ludicrous, but in baseball terms, it's what it is. I would be willing to give him three years or maybe even four years at $50 million. But you're talking about 10 years when he would then be 41 years old. And there's only one power hitter who got better as he got older. And we all know the problems or the suspicions or whatever with Barry bonds. Um, This is like, I just, if anyone were to give him 10 years, I would I would think that they've lost their mind because those last few years are going to just be handing money to a guy who in all likelihood can't do it. The the only the only way around that for me would be if you believe that even in the short term, Aaron Judge would be such a driver of your TV ratings, of your selling merchandise putting people in the stands, if you believe that Aaron judge or any other player who might try and get a deal like this, if you believe that he would fill your building and more than pay for himself. Okay. But I just can't, I I just, I I can't imagine there is an athlete that anybody would bet on for 10 years when they're already in their thirties. Well,
2: but that's, that's the going rate though, Scott. And I think every general manager, every owner now realizes that, especially in baseball, because that's where these contracts, are getting close to the $50 million range. Basketball is just behind it. But I don't think you get that same amount of length and term. And I don't think the players actually are interested in being locked down for that long because there is a a certain amount of player movement in the NBA, which is a little bit different than Major League Baseball. Um, Juan Soto is going to get $500 million, right? He's this young stud player that got traded this year. And he's probably, when his contract is done at the end of this year, this upcoming year, he's he is a stud. Like, he is the next great one. How old and is he? Again, yeah, he's probably in that 24-year, 24 24-years-old. 24 See, that that's years. the
0: difference, though. That's it, because if you give him a 10-year deal, he's still only 34 when he wraps up. He still you believe could be a, a reliable, productive player. I'm not sure anyone in modern baseball or modern sports anymore, you can look at and say at 40 or late thirties, they're going to be worth that money. That's the problem to me.
2: No, there's there's no doubt about it. But what does Aaron judge do? He hits, hits home, home runs. runs and that people, that's what people love. What do they say? I hate to be politically incorrect here, but for many years, that commercial ran, Chicks love the long ball and that is something everyone loves it. The home run is the thing that is, that is the thing in baseball and that sells jerseys. That is, you're the big bopper. You're on top of your game when you are hitting, no one cares about the, Hey, I've always said one of the greatest players I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I know I've had, Arguments with, and you're, you're, I would consider you a baseball aficionado, so we could have a good discussion on this. One of the best players I think I've ever seen is, is Ichiro Suzuki. Could hit any pitch, but he's a singles guy. Going a little bit further back to, um, for some of our listeners here, Rod Carew could hit any uh-huh. pitch, but he's a singles guy. And Ichiro and Carew should go down. They're both, I mean, both going to end up in the Hall of Fame. That's not even a question mark. Carew's uh, already in there. But people don't remember you when you're hitting singles and doubles. But when you're whacking it out of the park, um, that's what people want to see. So when you can, can be that kind, because that gives you star power. And if you're one of those franchises, like I said, that's looking, that's so close, and you can get a guy with that kind of power, people are going to fall in love with you for a long time.
0: All right, let's flip it to a different sport and a different situation, a team that isn't winning anytime soon. This is a question that has been popping around now for a few days. The Seattle Kraken expansion team is the second year, right? I've lost track of time. Second year for the Seattle Kraken. They drafted Shane Wright, uh, a guy who many people thought was going to be the first overall pick. He fell to Seattle for whatever reason. He's had a, eh, you know, an okay, not a great start to his NHL career. A few people do. He's he's, he's had his moments, but it hasn't been superstar stature. No,
2: been Be honest. It's slow. It's slow. Stop he's this.
0: done some good things in, in the 200-foot game, like he's back-checked okay and stuff. But yeah, offensively, he is not doing much at this point. So mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. people then saying, you know what? You're the Seattle Kraken. You're not winning. You don't mind if you actually have another bad year because it would mean a better draft pick again to help stock the cupboard. Mm -hmm. Send Shane Wright back to the OHL. You can't put him in the American Hockey League because he's not 20 and you need, if you're a North American player, you got to be 20 to go there. Send Mm -hmm. Shane Wright back to the Kingston Frontenacs of the Ontario Hockey League and let him have another year of having fun there and building up his confidence in his game. What do you think about that idea?
2: I'm okay with it. I I I I don't know when this happened in hockey. I mean, and it ha- it's happened in our lifetime. There was a time where you 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 tuned, you fine tune your skills in the American Hockey League, or you remained in the Ontario Hockey League, or the Quebec, or the Western Hockey League until you were good and ready. But somehow, like every other sport, and and, and basketball probably led the way because you know you had guys like Kobe Bryant and uh, uh, Kevin Garnett. Uh, coming straight out of Daryl Dawkins. I can think of the guy that came straight out of high school, right? 18 years old. And wow, you're in the professional loops. Um, and because you were that good or that highly thought of, um, there was a time guys like, I mean, think of some of the great quarterbacks in the league. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I know he's struggling right now, but I think that's more a reflection of the team that he had. Tom Brady, Guys that had to bide their time. You had to learn the pro game. Um, so you sat and watched. Now hockey's a little bit different here. I don't know when it became the rule or the right. And I would think some general managers would say, or even some coaches, that just because you got drafted in the in the first round, that you're automatically you've automatically made the team. So I'm okay with this. If Shane Wright needs to discontinue his development, where like honestly, here's where I, here's here's where I think you really really need to think about it. You're right. That that's a that's a slap in the face to the kid to say, "Hey, you're going to we're going to send you back to Kingston." But would you rather go to Kingston and dominate or be in the National Hockey League? Cuz I I've, I've been looking at his ice time. Scott, it's 8 and 9 minutes a game.
0: That's not a lot. He's not, it's not like, see, that's the other thing I thought if you're Seattle and again, you're not winning anything. Why do you not just throw him out there and say, go for 13, 14 minutes a night as a development thing. And if we lose, we lose. I don't, I, I, that I don't really understand. He is one of the pieces of your future and there is not a, I mean, they're not the Vegas golden Knights. They're not being an expansion team and going to the finals in their first or second year. Nope. So live with your losses and get the better what draft pick and develop about? a guy.
2: I don't even think it's a loss. I think this is like the, the ex- Oh, I mean losses in I, games.
0: I mean, losses on the ice. I don't mean losing. Sorry, sorry, I think he sorry. develops.
2: I, I, I think it's about development of the player. There's obviously a certain amount of high skill. No one could have been that wrong about Shane Wright, about his acumen, the way he played in the Ontario hockey league, where he played in AAA, where he played for team Canada. Like the, 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 the skills are there, I've seen it, you've seen it live, like both of us, right? This guy is a special talent, but some guys just don't hop into the pros. And if the co- head coach, who's obviously got to protect his his own <laughs> reputation as a head coach, says this guy's not ready, um, yeah, he's nothing more ready than you know fourth line because it's fourth line where he's playing. Getting that eight nine minutes a game is not going to do anything for you because. He's a guy with high-end talent. And when you're on the fourth line, you're not playing with high-end talent guys that are going to make you look good. You're out there to check and grind. And you know, you've killed a couple yeah. penalties here and there. And I don't That's think another that's thing.
0: Good but, but, but that's another thing that I just don't get with what Seattle's doing. I remember years ago in Hamilton, some people may remember the name in Hamilton, there was a guy who played for the Hamilton Bulldogs back in the early 2000s, Jason Ward, who one year won yep. the AHL MVP award. Mm-hmm. And Jason Ward was a winger and he was a scorer. He wasn't a checker. He wasn't a grinder. He wasn't a penalty killer. He was a scorer and a shooter. And he got called up to Montreal. I think it was Montreal that had his rights at that time. It was either Montreal or Everton. I can't remember which one had his rights and put him on the third or fourth line at the time to fill in. And then he didn't do anything. And you're like, well, of course he didn't do anything. You've He's down here. What he's showing you is that he is a certain type of player and you bring him up and put him in a totally wrong position that you're setting him up to fail. If you want to bring him up, put him on your first or second line with the skill players like he's been playing here and let him do what he does. And so when I look at Shane Wright, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, do you want him to develop? Put him with some guys then. And once again, if you lose a few games, no one expects you to win. But if you're not going to do that, I'm with you. Send him back to Ontario and to the OHL and let him just go crazy. And I think he's
2: been a healthy scratch a couple of times, too. He has. Right? So, he has. So you're looking at a guy that's playing eight, nine minutes a game. He's been a healthy scratch a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. And, and yeah, and you're right. Um, but with that said, um, I think the organization would say we owe it to our fans to be uh, as competitive as possible. And, you know, people are paying good money, three $300 a ticket. Uh, who knows what they're paying for suites? Um, and, yeah, we can sit here from the outside and say, look, you're not going to win. <laughs> right? So what are you doing? But you can't tell that to the fans, right? Um, especially the Rangers did. A young franchise like that where they're trying to rebuild not only the mm-hmm. franchise, but the sport itself. Um, Bubba, the New York I, I,
0: Rangers did it three years ago, the Rangers sent out a note to their season ticket holders saying, we're going to suck. We are going to really stink the joint out, but we're in a rebuild and give us a couple of years and it will be better. And look, yeah, look where they are real now.
2: Easy. That's really easy to do with a team that's been around for a hundred years and um, has its Fair. grips already. It's won Stanley cups. Uh, you're also in the metropolitan area where there's, you know, two other teams there uh, you can kind of just hide a little bit, uh, baseball, football, other things going on. Seattle's got nothing else other than the football team. So you're kind of a little bit in a different situation where, and, and again, you know, a new franchise that they spent, what, $600 million in, in to, to get it from the national hockey league. That money's got to be recouped somehow. So, uh, and especially, and you're right. You, you, it's right of you that you brought up the Vegas Golden Knights. And now, I will say this: that the National Hockey League made it real easy for that team to compete early. Yeah. But they changed the draft rules, so Seattle's kind of like the rest of the expansion teams from back in the day: Ottawa, a lot closer. Tampa yeah. Bay, San Jose. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult. So, but you know, there's going to be fan expectations, and especially a new arena as well, too. So. It's kind of in this situation where they gotta make make do to the fans like we we're, we're trying to go out there and win, but yeah, I, I just I just don't know why these teams feel the need to to just draft people. And I've seen this for all sports now where these people, these kids are getting, and they are kids, they're getting thrown to the wolves. And if they don't succeed right off the gate. You know, then you there's the mental aspect of it. You know, don't tell me Shane Wright is not mentally right now doing his best not to question his own skills. Uh-huh. And and, right? and, he, and but he's at he's the going flip side from Team Canada and being a first line player and a guy that everyone's looking to, uh, to a guy that right now is just kind of trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah, and 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 the flip side, though, is I I, I get the in, of the impression that we've created, or we, that sports, professional sports has created the perception that if you are a high draft pick and you get sent down or you get whatever else, that it's kind of like, oh, you're being dissed. And I think, uh, you know, it would be great if that was not the case. And I, you know, because I, I think based on how he's playing and not just him, I mean, he's the he's the big name, but he would probably be better off with another year down here. And then you go up there and it probably helps him as well. But anyway, okay, we got, we got two minutes left. I want to ask you one more thing very quickly here. I saw, and you may have seen this too, saw a really interesting story. I think Sportsnet had it, but I could be wrong. I want to give credit where credit is due. I can't remember who had, it. I think it was Sportsnet. They were talking to Barry Trotz, the NHL coach wanted to, Stanley Cup or two. He's had one, I guess, with Washington and had a great run with the Predators, but a good, a really good NHL coach. And a lot of people say he's one of those guys that takes a decent team that's underperforming and puts them over the top. He was quoted as saying, you know, I'd be really intrigued, I think, to coach an original six team. You think that was Barry Trotz lobbying a little bit of a note to one or two teams that are out there that may be not performing as well as they should be that, uh, Hey, I'm here. If you want to fire someone,
2: are you, are you, I, 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 must, are you teasing me here? Are you, are you trying to say something that the word Toronto, is that what uh, that to- I, as soon as
0: I heard it, I thought, I wonder if Barry Trotz is just making it sure it's out there that I'm still, you know, available. And if, you know, if things don't turn around pretty quickly, I I'm, I'm out here. And and you know an original six team might be interesting because you know I mean I think it's far too early for the Toronto Maple Leafs to be in any form of panic mode. I mean, way too early. Although the fans already are. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, but, I don't see that. But uh, do, no, I just I just I wondered about that. I thought it was really interesting that he would be yeah, so specific.
2: It, it was, but you know, and I thought this it, I thought this was signed, sealed, and delivered that he was going home to Winnipeg, like. I I I was shocked when Winnipeg could not get a deal done with him. And then he said, you know, because it was the rumor mill. It wasn't even a rumor mill. It was coming out, like, right out of the top insiders, um, you know, from the Winnipeg Free Press, everywhere, local media talking about, you know, that he's coming home. And, like, he apparently did come home. There were discussions. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Barry Trot says, I'm taking a year off. Like I got family and whatever. And it just b- b- blew me away. Uh, it was, a, yeah. it was a match made in heaven. I thought, especially for where the Winnipeg Jets are They're a team that's kind of, you know, they, 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 they had this sort of lineup that they kind of went to the well with three, four, five years with a lot of people going, Hey, a lot of people going into last season, a lot of the top hockey experts thought the Jets were going to be the best team in Canada. And they fell woefully flat. Um, I, I, I know there's a lot of talk about Sheldon Keith, but I think as long as that general manager is there, that head coach will be there. Um, yeah,
0: except for one thing, and I, I agree with you. I do. I, I, I don't. I don't see that changing. And again, it's like so majestically early. I forgive that ridiculous word, but it really is. It's we're so early to be talking, but. Kyle Dubas is also under the gun. If this team does not win, he's gone gone. too. He's gone. So at a certain point, you become protective of your own skin. And maybe at a certain point, if, you know, 15 games from now, so 20 games into the season, things are still not rolling. (laughs) Maybe then you start going, oh, man, I got to save my job. But but I just found it very interesting that Barry Trotz would sort of just – just spill that little trickle of coffee over onto the ledge just so you know just just see so you remember hello I'm over here don't forget
2: well, me it, well it doesn't yeah because well New York is safe Boston is safe um Detroit all, seems safe safe yep. <laughs> New York I said we said New York already Boston Chicago, I mean, the, the winds have changed. I mean, there's no expectation in Chicago. They're so bad right now.
0: Yeah, Trotz uh, does not want to go to a team like that where he's going to spend five years losing. No, so really, this was, to me, this they was only... Yeah, to me, this was only a yoo-hoo to the Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs. I, I don't I don't see any other team that would fit right now. I just found it fascinating that that was, you know, and, and we're never going to find out, but I wonder if Sheldon Keefe saw that story and went,
2: oh, Barry.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think he's got his own problems right now. I think I mean, you're right. The guy, the guy, the, you know, I give. Hey, you know, I, I have a certain amount of sympathy for the guy, and this is more reflective of. I won't even say Toronto. This is Southern Ontario sports media to the absolute max. The guy goes out there. He's critical of his team. He's not happy. He uses the words unacceptable a number of times, and he gets hammered for it. And then we're there's reports of. You know, the leadership, you, you know, he's talking about it. Basically, the guy said, my elite players need to be more elite. They need to, to, to step forward. And it's true. Austin Matthews has one goal. He scored 60 last year. Do I think he's not he, He's not going to break out of this soon? Of course he is. Mitch Martyr, same sort of situation. But he calls them out. And, 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 you know, people are asking questions. Why aren't your team? Why isn't your team? Well, because my elite player, he's being honest with us. Right, And then he gets shredded. And then there's reports of the players, of his elite players, having a closed-door conversation with him. You know, like, basically, wha wha wha, Like, what <laughs> is going on here? It's so hilarious. It is, like, I, are you it, kidding me? If you it's, and it's, I don't do a good job, we get spoken to from our boss. And if our boss does an interview and says, yeah, our guys aren't doing the job, well, yeah, let, let me I, the first thing I got to do is look at myself and hey, and, and I look at my teammates and say we got to be better. Right. We lost to Arizona. We haven't lost it. We haven't beaten Arizona at home in 20 years.
0: That is that is, yeah. we got to run. That is the most stunning thing you'll hear all day. And I was reminded of is how in the world, how in the world is that? that? I mean, that's I, I don't even have a good metaphor or simile for that, what that could compare to. That's like that's like, I don't know. That's like you doing a sports cast against a grade seven kid who's doing it for their school announcements. (laughs) And every year that one kid does a better job. Like it's just, it it, it will never, it's impossible to (laughs) happen. That that might be true. (laughs) Uh, No, that that'll never happen, but it does with the Leafs. Anyway, got to run Bubba O'Neill. Thank you, sir.